John chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, you, and you do not understand these things. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. And I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted, and that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Good morning. It's great to, to share with you in these talks about the people who John tells us met with Jesus. Last week we heard about how Jesus met an unnamed Samaritan woman and offered her a new way of life in which she could be truly loved and cared for. This week we, we go back a chapter and hear about his meeting with someone who, it seems, was very different from that rather sad, lonely woman. A man who, in fact, it seems, has everything. However, we'll also see that he needs to move from an old way of being which has done him and, and others no good into the new life that Jesus offers. The man's name is Nicodemus. We'll come back to his name and what it means later. We're told a lot about him. He belongs to a movement for renewal and holiness, which people called the set-apart ones, the Pharisees. John also says he's a ruler, someone who's background and abilities, gave him influence and power among his people. Indeed, uh, Jesus calls him a teacher, 
in Israel. Now, that, that doesn't mean that he, he was a teacher in our modern sense, doing that excellent work of giving children and new insights into life. No, rather, Nicodemus was someone who was listened to because of his, his wisdom and his learning. Wherever people discussed the things of God and, indeed, all important matters. So, uh, later in the Gospel, we hear that when some people want to arrest Jesus uh, as a false prophet, Nicodemus reminds them uh, that under the law of Moses, you, you have to give somebody a hearing before condemning them. Nicodemus may also have had the influence that comes with, with wealth. Because we hear at the end of the Gospel that after the Lord's death, Nicodemus brings a, a huge quantity of very expensive um, perfume to anoint Jesus' body um, for his burial. And that amount of, of, of uh, perfume, 65 pounds, would have cost a great deal of money. So, an influential, well-connected and rich man. What brings him to Jesus? Well, if we go back to his name, Nicodemus, we may get an answer to that question, one which sheds light on two of the most, I guess, well-known verses in the Bible that are found in our passage. First of all, Jesus' words in John 3, verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, or you could translate that, born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's the name, Nicodemus, that gives us a clue. For it means something like victory of the people. Victory of the people. People here must mean Nicodemus' own people. And, and victory, their military triumph over the pagan Romans, whose occupation of their land was often harsh, and anyway, just didn't seem right to many, perhaps most, Jews. Now, presumably, Nicodemus' parents, in choosing this name for their son, wanted to signal their longing for the time when God would send his Messiah, his Anointed One, at the head of a great army, to bring his people Victory. And we may think that Nicodemus grew up with all his name meant drilled into him. Maybe he was one of those Pharisees who urged resistance to Rome, even armed resistance. Such thinking didn't end well. Forty years later, it led to a great revolt during which the Romans, with great brutality, destroyed Jerusalem 
and the temple. Now, Nicodemus doesn't know about that coming disaster. How could he? And now he sees that someone has arisen in Israel, marked out with many signs as a teacher sent from God. And this Jesus of Nazareth, while he does preach that God's ministry is breaking in to end all oppression and injustice, does not, it seems, teach that the hated pagans must be crushed. Indeed, later in the Gospel, when some non-Jews, some Greeks, come to see Jesus, he cries out that the hour of his glory has come. And in another Gospel, Matthew, Jesus even teaches that should a Roman soldier demand of you that you carry their heavy pack for a mile, not only should you do it gladly, but you should offer to carry it for another mile. So this may explain why Jesus challenges Nicodemus, why he begins by saying to him that the truth of God's kingdom can't be grasped until we let go of our old self, all the baggage we bring from the past, and start completely afresh, totally renewed, born again. And why he tells Nicodemus that God's love is, is not just for, for one group, one in-crowd, but for the world. Yes, God loves Israel, to whom he is bound in deep covenant love, to whom he sent the prophets, but he sent his son out of his love to save the world. Not to judge all the nasty bad people who aren't in our crowd, but to give new eternal life to all who believe in him. Now, you might expect me to turn now and illustrate these great truths with an account of the conversion of a violent gangster in Hong Kong or a gunman in Northern Ireland. Part of me would love to do so for such dramatic stories do really happen. However, I have to keep an eye on the time. And more importantly, such stories are often just too dramatic. Yes, they are encouraging, but we may also think, well, I'm not a criminal or a violent extremist. So this doesn't really mean much to me. We would be wrong. Of course, most of us were given many lovely things by our families and friends and teachers as we grew up. But with all that good stuff, we also received ways of being and behaving and thinking that have, at least if you're anything like me, trapped us in ways of being and behaving 
that can be harmful and damaging. Deep stuff that we can't deal with ourselves. And what is offered us in Jesus is a, a completely new start, like being given a second chance to start life afresh. Like, like a newborn with the slate wiped completely clean. And if we mess up and fail, as long as we keep believing in Jesus, then we can start again. And again. We can't do this ourselves. It is a birth from above. Brought about by God's Spirit when we turn to Jesus and trust in what he has done for us and all the world on the cross. Yearning for change and a new beginning. This New birth is what St Paul is talking about when he writes to a little group who are trying to follow Jesus in Colossae and urges them to put to death some of the old habits that mark their lives. Non-dramatic stuff like losing their temper or gossiping or lying. And then he urges them to put on the new nature, which is being renewed after the image of its creator. Being renewed is, is, is helpful and hopeful, isn't it? It suggests this is not a, a one-off thing, but a process, a new force in our lives, always there if we let it do its work. This new birth, this new beginning, is what Jesus offered Nicodemus on that dark night long ago. And I'm sure Jesus longed to see Nicodemus become a renewed person, using all their influence and power for the victory of a different sort. The victory of love and peace and justice. The victory of God. And Jesus wants to see us renewed, to see us use all our influence for that same victory. But we may say, what, what influence do I have? I, I'm not rich and powerful and respected like Nicodemus, to which I think the Lord would say, you are more influential than you think. How we behave among our, our friends and neighbours, online, at work, in our homes, can affect others deeply. Will they see in us what we might call the marks of the new birth? Lives shaped by generosity and hope and faith. That's what Jesus offered Nicodemus and what he longs to offer us. The new birth, the slate wiped clean, past put behind us. Every morning, may we receive it.